Hi, everybody. I'm Christy Chong. I'm the founder of Modibody, and you're listening to Unconventional Business. Hello, everyone, and welcome to HubSpot's Unconventional Business. A show about how Australian and New Zealand brands are growing and winning by putting the customer experience first. We're talking with leaders from our best homegrown brands about their journey, the decisions they made along the way, and their biggest learnings. I'm James Gilbert. And I'm Kat Warboys, and we'll be your hosts this season. Now let's get into the show. Today, we're talking to Christy Chong, CEO and founder of Modibody. Welcome, Christy, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Kat, for having me. For our listeners who may not have heard of Modibody, where have you been? Uh, Modibody is a range of underwear which began as an alternative to pads and tampons for periods. But the product line has expanded into underwear for incontinence, perspiration, pregnancy, even reusable nappies, and I'm sure many other categories as well. Christy, you founded Modibody 10 years ago now. Congratulations on your first decade. Thank you. Your first range went into market in 2013, I believe, and I'm sure you could write a book on what that entire experience has been like. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Modibody in your own words, You know, your mission, the opportunity that you saw 10 years ago? Sure. So um, we describe Modibody as sustainable, leak-proof, life-proof apparel. Um, though we did start with a line of um, leak-proof underpants. So that's where it all began. And um, our mission at Modibody is really to have limitless positive impact. So, you know, from our products that we make um, to the customers that we sell to, where we're empowering their lives, um, and to the the planet around us. We're, we're all about, everything we do is about having positive impact on people and um, our planet. So it's a really nice mission um, to have and it really does um, lead the way in how we design product. But yeah, it started back in, you're right, it's 10 years ago. It's quite quite scary actually how quickly that goes. Um, and I was living in Seattle and I had a couple of young children and my periods had not long returned. And, and as a mum of two, I started to experience some light incontinence um, And, you know, it's not very nice and and it's hard to sort of accept as well that your body is sort of failing you. But what I realised is that my underwear was failing me and the only solutions available to us were irritating, uncomfortable, disposable hygiene products. And living in Seattle, surrounded by, you know, very much an an organic, eco-friendly environment, very outdoors culture. And then, of course, some of the biggest tech brands um, in the world, um, you know, Amazon, and Microsoft. So that, I don't know, that and training for a marathon, having time, well, not really, <laughs> but um, led me to the idea for Modibody and designing this very high-tech, sustainable um, line of undies that could replace disposable pads and tampons. Yeah. And it's certainly gone on to be a lot more than just for periods, right? At what point Correct. did you realize that, that that could go a lot further? Was that initially part of the plan or did you just start with the idea um, of periods to begin with? Uh, well, I actually started with both periods and light incontinence um, uh, so that, that, and also sweat. So that was the other reason. So um, because I was training for a marathon and having all those three things at once. So that, that was always um, the idea from the start. As I launched the undies, uh, I started to get customers approaching me. I got mums you know, with with this was obviously a women's line and, you know, targeting um, adults. And then I got mums who had autistic um, children or kids with, with disabilities said, can you make them smaller? So we did. And then we came out with our, our red range to cater to that market. Uh, then I got men approaching me. So we came out with a men's range. And then again, it was all very much driven by customers. And that's what we've always been as a brand. We're very much about 
listening to our customers, speaking to our customers, our, our brand, our marketing is representing our customers um, and, and, and allowing them to connect with our stories of empathy, experience um, and opening and normalising conversations. So we're very much a customer-led business. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think when you're introducing a completely new product category, um, you're really led by the user in, in that regard, right? Um, Absolutely. I think, you know, what people obviously see today is the finished product. But just on that note, you know, what was that product testing phase? What did that look like? How did you work your way through that? Yes, it was um, it was quite rigorous. So my husband um, comes from a background in science. So when I'd mentioned this idea of making these, you know, uh, sort of stylish reusable undies that could capture all your leaks um, and then you could wash them and wear again, He's like, well, if you're going to create, create that, you must take a scientific approach. So um, from day one, it's all always been about the science. So I, I conducted over a thousand scientific tests. I spoke to numerous um, chemical textile engineers, you know, fabric developers, um, engineers, mechanical engineers, so many different people from different walks of life to inform me prior to going about doing the science myself. Um, and, and, and we've always done that. So I've I've sought a patent to verify that science on the product and, and obviously because we were the original um, brand and every product that we've developed ever since, it's been developed with internal um, scientific testing and now we get that validated by external um, uh, universities or um, leading global laboratories as well. So that's really important that customers say they can trust the product. And one that's also sustainable, which is uh, incredible yes. and I'd love to talk to you more about. I think one of the trends that we're really starting to see is the shift to companies who are entering the market with products that, is, uh, that are designed literally from the outset to have a positive impact, whether that's on the environment or and on people. Um, other guests on the show that I think fit into that category include Sendal, um, who gives a crap. Um, and it appears that these companies are winning for two key reasons, right? Like the first, the customer experience they're creating, who thought we'd get so excited about subscription toilet paper. Um, and second, that sustainable element, offering, offering you know, an, an element to the product that competitors or people in similar product lines just aren't able to or have thought about. And that's clearly touching on something for consumers today. Um, and I think with these businesses, you know, they're making it quite clear that doing good is also good for business. And Modibody yeah. seems to be certainly coming along on that journey and a big part of that movement within this space. Um, and it sounds like sustainability was quite a key driver from right from the get-go. Was that, was that a big part of it? And how did you think about quantifying and measuring the actual problem um, that was caused by the existing offer for women? Yes. Yeah, so very much um, everything you said, Kat, so true. So we are a purpose-led brand. And um, what that means is not only are you driving financially uh, financial profit um, and putting people in jobs in Australia, but we everything we do has huge social impact. So they're equal. Um, and so uh, very much our product, if you make a purchase of Modibody, um, you know that you are not only reducing waste ending up in landfill, but you're reducing carbon emissions and water. And at the very beginning, um, obviously, I couldn't invest in that research, uh, but I knew that there was a reduction in waste. And reduction in waste is a really important thing uh, because it reduces the impact on the biodiversity. Um, so toxins leaking out into the environment and then impacting um, uh, the biodiversity and, of course, you know, our sea life as well because tampons are often flushed down waterways. So I knew that waste, but what we've been able to do over the years is also do a life cycle assessment 
which measures the production side, um, all the way from raw material production, um, usage, you know, uh, right to landfill. And we've done that and we've demonstrated that by switching to Modibody, you can reduce carbon emissions by 60 to 70%. So that is wonderful that we've wow. done that. We've had, we have that data. No, no other brand in this space has bothered to do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm very proud that we've taken that initiative. So people hand on their heart know they're making a better sustainable choice um, when they buy Modibody. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I read that a single pack of pads contains as much plastic as five single-use plastic bags, which is obviously something Australia and New Zealand has been very active on banning. But I think when we hear, you know, these kind of stats, I'm really curious to understand, you know, from what you're hearing from your customers, is the sustainable aspect of your product a key driver and why they choose to shop with you and why they are open to trying an alternative to pads and tampons? Um, Or do you think it's a little bit more of a bonus or a nice to have? And has that changed over time? It's always been about the sustainability. That is the number one um, reason they are choosing to buy a product like ours. And that comes through because we do, you know, from the very beginning, I've done um, quarterly surveys. And so that's been great to demonstrate that it is about sustainability. Um, The other reasons they're choosing us, obviously, because of what we, as I mentioned before, what we stand for as a brand, um, representing, you know, the diversity of of people, real bodies um, and also being able to be open and normalise those conversations. So we're, we're champions for social change uh, and they're aware of that as well. And then the third reason is because the performance of our products. So I go back to, yes, we are sustainable. That is a number one reason you buy us, but I will never compromise um, the science and the technology uh, that has to lead as well. Uh, and I think um, you know, coupled with our sort of uh, ability to give back. So we have our whole Give a Pair program. We're this year, we decided to donate 100,000 pairs to women in need. Um, I think that all resonates with why people are making the switch. Yeah, I definitely think you've started a movement, um, which I'm, I'm keen to talk about more. Um, but, you know, coming back again to, to bringing a new product category to the market um, and something um, that, you know, for women is, you know, what can be a very sensitive issue. There's a lot of fear around trying something new that, you know, could end up not, as you say, the quality not being there. And I would imagine that one, establishing uh, trust and also educating on this product was a huge part of, of how you had to initially enter the market. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what was involved in that educational journey to, to your audience? Yeah, I think I underestimated um, a number of things. So, you know, as, as every entrepreneur does, um, but I think particularly in what I was trying to do. So not only had I created a new product in a new category, but it was in a category and a, and a space where these topics around leakage are quite taboo. So, yeah, I had the double whammy. Um, and so it was very, very tough at the very, at the very beginning. And, and I knew automatically that selling this into a store was not going to be the way um, to market this product. I had to take an online approach, set up my own website, um, and I had to use myself as a case study, and I did. I, I spoke very openly. Um, I vlogged about all my own personal experience, and by doing that, I, I found other micro-influencers who were willing to share their stories, um, you know, young women and mums talking about endometriosis or their polycystic, and then they'd link that back to um, periods or, you know, light and content. So it just sort of was very, very um, – it was slow at the start, and it was on a very micro level uh, and just sort of every time I got someone a little bit bigger 
it would open the door to another another option and another media. And I remember when we finally got morning TV and I was like, yes. And then, you know, the uh, just last month we got the project and I'm like, that that is amazing. Finally, we're getting these people to talk about, mainstream media to talk about menstruation, um, incontinence, you know, uh, and all the other body leaks that, that come along with being human. And how was that 10 years ago when you started? Oh, look, it, it was tough. You know, I, I really did uh, have moments of questioning what I was doing. Um, yeah, it, it was really hard. And I'm like, why, why isn't everyone okay with it? You know, I think I've grown up in an environment when my mum was very open. I'm very lucky um, to have had such uh, open conversation around these topics. So for me, I, I wasn't ashamed of it. Um, but what I realised along the way is that it was so much shame uh, so much stigma, and really, the only way I was going to break that down was continually to fight, and I did. And I just continually, as I said, told the story, found champions in um, who would join me on that journey, and we've got there. So, I've, like, I look at it today, and I, I still feel we've got a way to go. I mean, last year, obviously, Facebook banned our new way to period ad um, because it was too sensational and um, looked by using what depicted red blood uh, on pads and sheets and. But we got it overturned and, um, you know, it's another step in the right direction. I think that was that's such an interesting case. And for listeners who may not be familiar with it, the New Way to Period was a campaign that came out uh, in 2020, right? Um, and it made it to the top 10 of the ad standards list of the most <laughs> complained about ads, um, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I think Facebook also banned the ads temporarily as well as, yeah. as, well as YouTube, um, really because of this idea that, you know, menstrual blood was being shown. Um, and, you know, the complaints that were logged were around code of ethics, like discrimination and vilification, violence, sexuality, all of these things. And for me personally, what was crazy is that on that ads list of complaints, you had KFC and Ultratunes, um, <laughs> who would use like a Baywatch style ad with Pamela Anderson. And the common, the common theme to those ads and the complaints was around degradation of women and sexism. And then you've got Moddy Body, which is actually yeah. <laughs> trying to empower women. And I just remember going, how, how are you on that list with those brands? Um, and it's quite you, ludicrous, really. Uh, it is. <laughs> oh, I mean, they, they, it all got sort of dismissed by the panel. Um, so I, I think some common sense might have reigned there in the end. Um, but, you know, you, you have a background in uh, PR and comms. Were, were you expecting this when you were planning the campaign? Yes. We were. Um, yep. We we hoped it wouldn't happen, but there was a little part of us said, well, someone might, you know, stop it. But uh, we were prepared and, and when they did, that's why we went public. Because like, okay, well, you're going to shut us down. We're, we're not going to um, shut our mouths. We're going to make this public. Because, yes, there were a few complaints, but the majority of people were writing to us, applauding us, you know, thank you for, for normalising what I go through. Thank you for showing others. Because I'm always saying to, pe saying to people, it's most likely um, there's someone in the room, if you're in a room of 20, that one of them is bleeding from their vagina. So get over it, people. It can be icky. It's blood. You know, we deal with it. Um, menstruating people deal with it every single month. And the fact that you have to see this on, on mainstream TV, well, you know, that's part of life. So, uh, yeah, we, we were okay about it. And, um, and I think, as I said, it was overwhelmingly positive support. For, for what we're doing. And, and I think sometimes when you create, you know, you're breaking down taboos, um, it's always going to be a little bit controversial. And I think as a brand, I'm okay to stand behind that. And, and we continually do that in other areas as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a, 
100% a battle worth fighting for. And some of the comments were amazing, as you said, like I pulled some up here. What an incredible ad, so real. Now this is what we need to show our young people. No more shame or stigma. Like I think that's just, as a comment in response to that ad, I think that really, really sums it up for, for many people. So yeah. really, really incredible. Yeah, I always believe with these social change and purpose-led movements that they're not populist movements always at the very beginning. And this is what I've seen with Modibody, you know, at the very start that we do, we couldn't even get customers, you know, wanting to share themselves wearing underwear. It was very, very tough. But within that sort of eight years of launching, we have so many um, people now wanting to, you know, get, send us photos and videos of them in their period undies and share their stories. So, you know, it has become more populous. And, and I think true leadership um, by brands and, you know, even our prime minister sometimes means being a little bit unpopular at the beginning. As somebody who is British uh, and spent a lot of time <laughs> and most of their life in the UK, you know, this is, you know, the taboo is, it's just such a taboo topic. But I think, yeah, in recent times, people are far more open and ready to see this kind of change. Um, on that note, I guess, as you have expanded globally, have you come across any specific market challenges with this product, with this topic, with this movement that you've created that you weren't necessarily expecting in different markets? Actually, it's been quite similar. So uh, the very beginning uh, when we were, uh, I suppose, marketing the product, we did get a lot of emojis, vomits, vomit emojis and um, some bad <laughs> language um, from people out there, but we don't really get that anymore. So um, we got that in all markets, um, UK in particular. <laughs> actually. Uh, yeah, we don't get it. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit more than Australia, um, but not, not in France or Germany. I think they're more open. So it probably goes, did, I suppose, demonstrate maybe the cultural openness to the, to the topics. And, um, but like I said, we, we don't, don't get that on our ads anymore in the UK, in, in any other place. Um, you know, we, we haven't really tried, um, we didn't really try in those early days to move into the Asian markets, but we are, that is now starting to open up. So, even the data is showing that um, even in places like China, their propensity and openness to buy more sustainable products has increased like by 70%. Uh, so that's really good wow. uh, because I, I think there's still some issues around, you know, blood and um, uh, uh, and washing of the garment. But I think that their desire to buy more sustainable will help them overcome um, that issue in the future. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it has been challenging, but we, we keep we keep moving forward. That's really interesting that that drive for a more sustainable option can actually be the factor that that pushes somebody to make that decision. Um, that feels like that's really, you know, tables have turned on that from probably 10 years ago. Agree. Absolutely. It has. Again, kind of thinking about the journey that you've been on and, and the campaign and the education around this um, and the conversations that you're having and tackling, how would you rate the awareness of this topic today? Um, How's it changed over the last 10 years? Is it where it needs to be yet? You know, when, when will you feel good about the awareness around women's health or health, to be honest, all the different stages of life? Yeah, well, very, just recently, Share the Dignity, um, who we also have partnered with to help, you know, deliver our products into the hands of women in need, um, have released a report on, um, in particular, into menstruation. And, and what it does show is that um, people still struggle, obviously, to get access and are, and are choosing more unsafe products or makeshift products, um, which is worrying and is why we also want to help for those who can't afford a product like ours um, and we've got initiatives to address it. But what is good news is that they're more open to talking about it. So that's what that report has shown. So um, I think that's very, very positive, but we still do have work to do. Um, and brands like ours 
uh, and other brands that that are playing in this space need to do more to champion open conversations, uh, not to sell a product, but to empower the people that they're selling to as well. Incontinence, yeah, that's a little trickier. Um, I think we've got work to do. Uh, we are selling, I think one thing is we're selling more of our product to women with incontinence. So I think we're, to me, that directly correlates to the fact that um, people are more open because they're, they're what you'd find with incontinence, people don't even buy products, especially light incontinence. They just ignore it and they deal with it. They mm. use toilet paper or they have a, you know, they have a bladder leak and they change their undies. Um, so I think the fact that our sales have increased also demonstrates that people are probably recognising and then seeking more help as well to deal with with their pelvic floor and try to improve on it. Um, so, yeah, we've still got a little way to go. Um, but the other thing is what I'm seeing in the femtech area, so women's health area, is uh, that you're getting menstrual educators going to school, so there's more funding going into that area. And I'm seeing more businesses come out with new ideas. So anyone out there who's thinking of an idea in women's health, go for it because I think there's more funding available right now to support um, products and services that are benefiting or empowering women. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely an area that it looks to be exploding. Um, I read up that the total global market just for period underwear was expected to be worth $400 million by 2026. But in 2020, that figure was actually revised and it has risen to $1.3 billion by 2026. Um, and that's just for that category. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure from your standpoint, you're seeing the competition come in, into market more. You know, we've just seen bonds and even Adidas with coming to that space with um, uh, active wear for, for period proof. Um, so it's definitely uh, a hot topic, I think. How, <laughs> how do you view that and the competition? Look, um, you know, up until September last year, the, there was only a few competitors in the market really, um, you know, more global players um, and we were obviously the leaders in this space and and just recently you're seeing everyone jump on the bandwagon um, and, and producing their own version of period and leak-proof underwear. I mean, look, it's competition. Uh, I'm not afraid of it because I think for Modi Body, as I mentioned before, we're, we're very much a purpose-led brand. So, yes, we're selling product, but we're also selling a vision of that limitless positive impact. So, um, you know, I hope the consumer can see through jumping on a trend versus um, actually developing solutions um, and developing a whole business and brand around being purpose-led. So, yeah, I I think a lot of our customers can see through that. Uh, And we've got the technology and the science to support our products. But yeah, I mean, it's part of life. Ultimately, you know, what we're all trying to do, hopefully, is reduce reliance on disposables. Um, so, you know, if a customer wants to try that product and then they realise that product doesn't work and they come back to Modibody, great, that's great for us. And if they don't stay using disposables, that's great for the world, great for them, great for the planet. And I would imagine that increased competition is actually just helping with your mission on the awareness and then yep. you're able to focus more on making sure you've got the quality product. Absolutely. It's all category growth. And, um, and you know, we've seen through the data with Bonds entering um, because they have a massive database that the category has grown. So um, I can't, you know, as I said, the rest is business. Um, we need to stand uh, for, you know, what our brand is around that limitless positive impact and continue to produce those leading quality products um, and provide more innovative products for all bodies and all leaks. Hence why we sort of moved into um, the swimwear and the reusable nappies. We've got now the maternity range um, and we'll continue to innovate and be leaders in that space as well as be innovators in sustainability. Uh, So we're looking across our supply chain. Everything we're doing is how do we make our product and our whole business more sustainable. 
I mean, it seems like a no-brainer, especially now, but I would imagine um, those early conversations, maybe when you were seeking investment originally in what is or was, I imagine, very male-dominated audience. How did proving your concept for this go? You know, you would think that the fact that there's, I don't know, some 900 million people in the world who menstruate would be a pretty good um, starting pitch and conversation around, you know, the need for this product. But I, I can imagine it wasn't as simple as that. Yeah. So I didn't bother at the start. We we um, used money from our mortgage to <laughs> to put into the business. Um, I just didn't even bother about the investment route. So uh, that was fine. And then uh, not long into a couple of years in, then took on an eight, found an angel investor um, who was a, a friend of the family member. So, you know, went out to everybody I knew and and pitched it that way. So by that stage, I had some numbers that looked good. Um, it was still a risk for them, but uh, the numbers were already looking good. So then after that, um, a few years in, obviously, I took Quadrant on board. So I went through a springboard accelerator program, uh, which was really, really helpful for me to understand what the potential um, was for our for my business it was very much a um, a female friendly environment and um, I, I just learnt so much from that about you know what am I doing here what am I creating am I just creating this small brand or am I going big and I went I'm going big and 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 with that I realised that to go big um, I needed to you know restructure some of my my business and um, which I did and then um, I needed to bring on an external investor. When it came to the time to look for those private equity, um, I first started with some high net wealth, but I didn't feel that was right. So then I looked for private equity. Yeah, I actually ended up um, uh, having by my side uh, a, a um, an advisory group who were all female. So I went to Deloitte and they had a whole female team. So that helped because they would do that initial, you know, um, pitch of Modi Body. And by the time I got in the room, with those male investors, I think they were more comfortable with the topics that we were going to be discussing. But, you know, in, 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 in all truth, they wouldn't have entered the room if they didn't see the opportunity. And, you know, they're smart enough to know um, by that stage that uh, what, we were, we were, what we were providing to women and um, what society wanted was a better, better performing product and also a more sustainable product. So, yeah, it wasn't such a hard conversation for me to have with men. But as I said, from the very beginning, I've, I've been okay about it, man or woman, I don't care. <laughs> it's your problem, not mine. <laughs> oh, totally. And, um, you know, I, I, I think this is, you've probably come across this a bit, but, you know, what what role do men have to play in this overall movement? You know, um, I would, I hope that there aren't people and listeners that have been put off by this particular episode just because of the of, of the topic. You know, there's so much to be learnt from what it means to take an amazing idea that solves a problem for people, but also the planet and make that work. You know, I'd like to hope that we, we haven't put off any listeners, but how do, how do you think about that? Well, men have to champion um, this area. And, you know, I've had, I've had a male advisor who did actually. So I've had very strong female advisors, but also one of the best champions very early on was a man. Um, he saw the potential from the very beginning. He knew the social impact. He knew what this could be and um, we need more of them. And, you know, you know, my, my private equity investor, now they're, they're mainly men on our board, um, apart from my non-executive director, she's a female. And again, they are championing this conversation and they've got daughters, sisters, mums, you know, they, they need to be very comfortable. So they should be listening to this conversation. Well, I can't just be speaking to women and I, we can't just have women in the room when we're talking about 
how to get more funds for women to get, you know, female um, or femtech products and all these women's health products funded. There needs to be men in the room. Otherwise, we will not see change. I mean, one of the things we struggle with at Modi Body is getting men to come and work for us because our recruiters have the conversation. Men go, oh, periods, mm. incontinence, you know, shut down. And it's like, why? Why do you feel so uncomfortable? You know, if you've got a partner and y- y- you're seeing that, y- y- I mean, you know, like, I, I don't understand. It. I can see <laughs> you want to say like, it, don't you? Get over it. <laughs> just get over it. And I think when you have those one-on-one with men, they do, but we just need more of them. That's how I do feel right now. I want more male champions and more men coming to work for Moddy Body. <laughs> this is your recruitment ad right here. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, I was actually watching some of the videos on the site and I think you've got one around some customer testimonials and there was this beautiful clip where it's actually a father sat with his quite young daughter and I was like that is just that really cut through I thought that was beautiful and so wonderful to see and you're right like I think we want to see more male champions in this space and um, yeah you you probably want that perspective and that champion you know in your company to to help you build that part of the next phase of, of this conversation and this movement out, I would guess. Absolutely. Yes. We do have one, which is great. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, gives, he does give his perspective, but, and we've got thankfully, you know, suppliers that we work with who are men. Um, and then obviously everyone does know men. We, we do lean on them for advice um, outside of working for us, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to see that. And that example is, is, is really so wonderful when you, you know, you've got a, a man and a father who feels comfortable talking to his daughter so so important that she has that as a role model so yeah so a lot of our listeners really love to hear you know the lessons learned good and uh bad (laughs) um so (laughs) you sound like you might have a few of those but you said to you said yourself there was a moment where you had to decide am I am I going to be a small business or am I going all in I'm guessing there were but any particular moments that come to mind where you know you kind of doubted your vision and the journey that you were on yeah um I actually don't think I ever thought I'm going to give this up, but I had, I've had hard days where, you know, I've been rejected or, I mean, I went on Shark Tank in the early days and didn't get through, you know, um, I, I got rejected by David Jones and that in the early days, you know, so you have your moments of, of that, but I never felt this wasn't right because while those things were happening, I had customers writing to me saying, thank you for changing my life. Thank you for changing my daughter's life. Can you make this new product? Can you do that? So I just kept going back to those and going, I'm onto something here. I know it. I just, I got to, I got to ever get everyone else on the journey. Um, and because of that space I play in, anything that's new or different takes time. Uh, so I didn't ever feel I'm going to give up or the mission was always true. Um, I, yeah, the, the funding, the money side, that, that did get a little bit precarious um, around, uh, uh around, I suppose, the two-year mark. And that's when I was like looking at my husband, we're going to take more money off our mortgage. What are we going to do? Uh, because I needed money to buy stock. I needed to move overseas to produce it. I just was making no money here producing it. Couldn't even break even. So um, yeah, that was also a big decision to take that angel investor in. And uh, and I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. So I had to give up equity, but it felt like the right decision. Um other challenges, I think, you know, something that I recommend very early on is getting a budget and a forecast model in place. That me being able to um, manage that and just, you know, play around with my assumptions weekly, you know, how does that come out the bottom with my units and my, because I've got to manage, you know, the inventory when you're growing at 
such high um, percentages year on year, you can run into massive in- inventory outages. And then if you're not hitting those targets, you get, because we've got a five-month lead time um, stock overstock. So it seems to be this massive balance between out of stock, overstock, you're never perfect. So um, you having an understanding and being able to forecast better is, is really, really important in a product-led business as well. Um, yeah, what other challenges? I mean, those marketing challenges, uh, they've, they, they've just always been there from the very beginning. I mean, one of the first shoots we did, we had five models pull out the night before. Um, so, you know, that that's the sort of stuff you have to deal with as a small brand, uh, you know, when you're dealing with amateur people. <laughs> and I think you just got to keep rolling up your sleeves and yeah, get back on your bike and off you go again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can't believe you got sort of turned down by some of those outlets. Yes, we did. Yeah, and and yet, um, you know, many years later, they 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 came to us. They've come to us asking to you know to stock them. So that's that's the way it goes in business. And and I feel really proud because I think if you really have those, I mean, when I when I think about business and starting a business, if if you've got customers, you got to listen to them. If they're telling you the product is great and they're telling you want them, listen to them. The rest will come. But if you're getting not great feedback from your customers, then maybe that's not the right business. That must have felt pretty good to have them uh, come knocking on your door after all that time. I so did. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and online has undoubtedly been an extremely important channel for you to be able to control all of that and keep paving the way. Um, And, you know, how's that affecting how you think about taking Modi Body more into retail? Yeah, online's been really important for us to, um, as I said, to have that connection to our customer and we'll never give that up. But um, what we realise as this category has became become more mainstream and um, to really get wider reach, we need some of those those large resellers uh, by our side. So, uh, and then with competition entering into this space with with huge footprints in those areas, we cannot deny that Modi Body needs to be there alongside it. But we we're a digitally native brand. I always want the connection with the customer. So you know, it'll never be a majority that we are a reseller business. Um, will always lead by digital. Was there anything unconventional that you did along the way that worked really well for Moddy Body that maybe you weren't expecting? Oh, I think everything we do is unconventional, actually. Yeah, I was going to so, say. You know, <laughs> I think we, we really do break the mould when at Moddy Body. Um, and if we're not, I'm one of those people going, oh, you know, what are we doing? Um, <laughs> uh, so, we, you know, I mean, some of the brands now, you know, out there are following in what we do. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, going e-commerce, um, having uh, a sustainable product, being um, uh, about social purpose and, you know, being about challenging conversations and social change and being about, you know, moving people in different directions and opening up what they might feel has been a very private topic into a public space. Is, it's all very unconventional. You know, our creative, we've always owned internally, apart from the new way to period ad. Very, that's very different to, I think, the way other businesses, big corporates have always run. They go to these big agencies. We've very, very much been about using our customers, user-generated content, um, leading our communications and our marketing. So I think that's been quite unconventional and different as well. Um, yeah, uh, nothing quite in particular that I can call to mind beyond that. But I think yeah, most things we do are unconventional. <laughs> Oh, I, I would agree. <laughs> and I guess last question for you, because I think we could talk about this all day. Um, but what's next? You just said, you know, if you're not if you're not breaking the mold, if you're not moving on, get 
pretty much itchy feet by the sounds of it. So what are you looking what are you looking to next? Yeah, so we've got um, a number of um, new innovations coming down the pipeline. So um, we've obviously just launched reusable nappies and maternity, which is great. Um, and then you'll see us move more into more um, more sustainable and more high tech innovations and also um, innovations that address other bodily leak needs. So that's what's next for Modibody. Um, market expansion is obviously really important for us. So new new opportunities into the Asian markets, um, European markets, that's very important. Uh, and, you know, new creative campaigns which challenge um, the status quo around how people feel about their bodies. So watch this space. Okay. Well, I think that we should wrap up there, but I just want to thank you one for your time, but also for the important work that you do as a woman. I think it's extremely important. Um, not just the awareness that you raise around women's health issues, but also, you know, the, the bigger movement you're having on the planet on, um, issues about diversity as well as body sizes. You're really touching on it all. And I think it's, um, I think it's pretty unique and incredible. So Uh, Thank you for being here and thank you for all of your work. Thanks for having me, Kat. It was a great conversation. Thanks for tuning in to HubSpot's Unconventional Business Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'd love you to subscribe and tell your friends, co-workers, you know what, tell whoever. Before we go, a shout out to our mates over at Audio Technica for bringing us today's epic sound quality. Whether you're after an awesome pair of headphones to listen to your favorite podcast on or a mic to start your own, Audio Technica has you covered. Head to audio-technica.com.au to check them out.